everyone, and welcome to Talking Luft. I'm away on the Vuelta of Spain at the moment, and I got a chance to sit down with Hugh Carthy on the first rest day to talk a bit of Luft. I'm doing things a little bit around the back way this time, and I want to sit down with Hugh on the second rest day and do a full podcast with him. I want everyone to send some questions in because I think it'd be great to get some Q&A with him, find a little bit about his backstory as well, and just have a little bit more extended chat with him. So if you don't know who Hugh Carthy is at the moment, check out Talking Lift or listen to this episode and you're going to find out exactly who he is and set yourself up, think about some questions, send them in, and we're going to have a chat to him next week on the second rest day and you'll hear those answers then. So until then... Sit back and listen to this episode. I hope you enjoy. Well, here we are. It's the first rest day of the Vuelta a España. Only uh, six days deep, but... More well and truly earned. I would say the first six days were tough enough. I'm sitting here with second on GC. He's already been on the podcast. He's a bit of a regular. It's been a couple of years since it. Hugh Carthy, welcome to Talking Luft, mate. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you feeling this morning before we get going? Yeah, fresh. Nice. You just You look fresh. Yeah. The, uh, explain the look that I'm wearing. Not your look, but... I no. Look. <laughs> It is a look, yes. He's gone for, I would say, it's the 90s American influence, long sleeve shirt underneath the t-shirt look. And when I grew up, yeah, I guess the skaters wore it, but it was was a bold look to pull off. This is Merino though, so it's a step up. (laughs) He's, He's gone with the old, he's wearing Merino wool undershirt, Rafa. And he reckons that, um... Because it's merino wool, you don't have to wash it ever. It doesn't. I didn't say that you don't have to wash it. I just said it doesn't smell. <laughs> That's what you and think. So far, so good. It's not smelling after a week. So, <laughs> see how long it can stay fresh for. Tell tell everyone about our little conversation up. You know what you thought was a flat road yesterday in the race. Oh, the start. No, it wasn't the start. It was like midway through the race. Eighty k to eighty um, k to go. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I pulled out these gloves. I got TJ to go back and get some some nice warm gloves. And they're a bit of a throwback. I'd forgotten they're in my rain bag. They're from a few years ago. They still had the maybe I can't say the brands for sponsorship reasons, but they still had the brand the brand name of the team from 2017 on them. So I was showing them off to Mitch. I know he's a fan of the the retro kit, and that was the first conversation we had. And he he entertained it. He said, "Oh yeah, cool." A few minutes later, I can't remember what the next one was. I said, oh, it's only 80k to go, which is like a two or two and a half hour ride on the road, training-wise. And he said, yeah, please. I can't remember what your exact words were. What did you say to me? Mate, I can't talk to you anymore. It's a category three climb. Let me concentrate. It yeah, was something like that along those lines. Like then I wound my neck in. Maybe slightly more aggressive. I, wound, I, mean, I wasn't too aggressive. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't put, put out. I, was just, I just wound my neck in from then on. That point, what I realized there was like, well... The mate's, he's got good legs. So, yeah. let's get into it. All right. Talking Luft, we're talking about caskets, mm-hmm. the hats. Yep. 
how do you wear your hat? When you wear one, do you wear it forwards, brim up, brim down? Do you wear it backwards? Do you wear it with the top cut out, taffy style? What's your style? Um, bit of everything. Um, if I'm going to the podium, sign on, I wear it forward, peak forward. What do you call it? The brim, the peak. Yeah, peak down? Peak down, yeah. I'm not a peak up, I'm not a peak up guy. It's a bit sort of, sort of cliche. Mm. Peak down, um, and it kind of hides your face a bit as well. It makes you look a little bit more. But you put your glasses on, peek down. You kind of mask on now with the mask, COVID mask. <laughs> you can be real sort of uh, incognito. Um, yeah, it's always peek down if I'm wearing it forwards. Uh, I like to sort of wear it um, not too high. High, high, definitely high. I'm not. I don't ram it onto my head so it's the shape skull cap yeah no, no not skull cap not by a long way but I sort of I like the peak to sit the the, the the start of the peak sort of the edge of the cap to sit on my hairline yeah so but the back of the cap kind of pull it down a bit so it's a bit more secure so it kind of looks a little bit like people wear a baseball cap they kind of just like tip it back on my head yeah so kind of like so kind of like a like a ramp sort of thing. It's like a teenage gangster look. Yeah, a little, a little bit, but with a, with with the with the luft as you call it, uh, still there. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, if I was, I think, a few years ago when I was younger, I used to, I used to train with a cap. My parents used to go mad. They used to hate it. Uh, but in the to, UK. In the UK, and then uh, if I was rolling along, kind of steady ride, it would always be forward peak down obviously mm. but if I started going faster it's like if I got to the top of the climb on descent whip it backwards more aero would you flip the peak back up at the back or would you have it down because this is a conversation we had with Alan Davis a couple of weeks yeah, ago yeah this is it I think for me it depends on the hair, my hair length at the time my hair is quite long uh, I think I go peak up like flip her up so everyone can see the hair because we were discussing this and Alan reckons that when he used to race with a backwards hat, if you have the peak down, when you sprint, the peak smashes into the back of your neck. So you've got to flip it up. That makes sense. I'm not a sprinter, so I couldn't really say, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it depends. If I had short hair, I think I'd, uh, I think I'd peak down, sort of protect my neck a bit more from the sun. <laughs> like long, a Legionnaire's. Yeah. If I it's long, an on-the-bike on Legionnaire's yeah, hat. If I had long hair, flip her up, let everyone see the hair. Okay. I like um, it. And with regards to cutting the top off, never did that. Never did that with the uh, sort of. But with the now, I do that on like a, a warm rainy day. Mm. Why? With the, with the under the helmet, yeah. Under the helmet, of course. Um, so your head can still breathe, but you get the the benefits of the peak because the cap's sort of dying now in the. Mm underneath the helmet I mean it's not it's not the best look in the world we all know that but it's far better than a pair of clear glasses or anything protecting your eyes mm. it's a real undervalued piece of kit but in the rain it is yeah. which is why I didn't have one on yesterday in the rain <laughs> um, but yeah I think it still serves a purpose it might not be the style icon or the the kind of the image that it once was but it is a valuable piece of kit well, let's talk about the old times then. If you could have raced in the time with no helmet, mm -hmm. what style would you have gone for? Oh, I'd have, I'd have been cap. 
How? All the ways you just said. Yeah, all the ways. It was like easy stage, neutral zone. Cut forward. Cut forward, peak down. As soon as the racing got going, backwards, climb off like the hair flow. Oh, off. Just flip it, it at, like halfway up the climb or just, just straight at the bottom? Bottom probably, tossed it. What about if it was a few coals in the stage? I'd have Get a fresh it, one. Slipper in the pocket. Oh, yeah. Fold her up. Get it for the descent. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite race? Favorite race, probably Tour de Basque Country. Oh. Yeah. Well, this has been a sort of a a long Tour of the Basque Country this year, this Vuelta. It's yeah, sort of mini, mini long, yeah. We're back again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> second, 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 come back for second. Why? Um, I don't know. I like the roads. It's sort of where my career started in oh, this, yeah. this neck of the woods. Because um, you lived in Pamplona for a few years. Exactly. Um, yeah, the roads are like, the, the, the weather's always a bit a bit crap. Um, <laughs> the fans, obviously. The fans are good. Then, fans are the best, if not in the world, for cycling. And failing that, I'd say San Sebastian because ah. it's it, you get the good weather. On the same roads, with the, the fans. Roads, yeah, with the same fans. Mm. Sort of the best of both worlds then. Nice, good so those call. two races probably, probably say up there. All right. Crosswinds or mountains? Mountains, obviously. What about, what's your hardest or favorite training session you do? Um, I enjoy those days where you go out, I don't know if you, you do, but you like three or four long climbs. Like, oh, yeah. Just on a big loop day? No, we're just repeating the same. Oh. I like to repeat the same climb. I'm, I'm quite a methodical trainer. I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not really a romantic trainer. Mm. Some guys are. You're all, not an explorer. Some guys are all about the loop or the, yeah. or the, the gravel or the, whatever. The whatever. But if I've got four climbs to do that day, I'll do, four of the same climb or two of the like two times two or something. So now you living in Andorra, that actually quite suits you well because yeah. it's pretty much go to this climb, do your work, go home. That's exactly. the sort of training it is up there. Exactly. And on those kind of days where I've got specific stuff to do, you think, oh, this is going to be a drag. But it actually, you get the first climb done, the second climb, third climb, they go quite nicely. Long climbs as well. And you get home, you think, Oof, yeah, done a good, good, good training. Then. Yeah. All right, change your tact. What's your favorite drink? Favorite drink, alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Up to you. Um, Give you an example. Wama said water. I wouldn't say water. <laughs> uh, non-alcoholic. I don't know. You can't be. You can't be a good cold Coca-Cola at the right moment. Cold beer. Coca-Cola. Oh, Coca-Cola. I'm going non-alcoholic. Okay, going sorry, alcoholic. sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, non-alcoholic. When you get the moment right for a good Coca-Cola, it's good. It's, I think it's unbeatable. In it's, training or you mean just in general? Just in general. Sometimes it's a hot day, you're flagging a bit with that in the afternoon, you go out and you oh, Coca-Cola, oh yeah, ice and lemon. Hmm. You knock it back and you think, it doesn't get much better than that. Do you go classic with the sugar or with zero? Um, or diet? It depends who I'm with. Oh. <laughs> Image wise, image wise, yeah. yeah. If, there's, if there's cameras about, maybe it's zero. But uh, no, I'm usually full sugar. I think. Yeah. A little bit. If you're gonna do it, you must do it. If you live well, 23 hours of the day, you're doing all right. Aren't you? <laughs> one hour, you can have a bit of sugar. Um, so that's a few cokes in that one hour. Yeah. Uh, alcoholic, wise, well, not alcoholic. An alcoholic drink wise, um, 
I'm not a big wine guy. I like wine with the right the right scene, but I'm not. I won't say I'm a wine guy. I'm. I like a nice beer. Yeah. I'm not into this craft pale ale, craft stuff, IPA, whatever. Mm. It comes like a can that's got these like the scene, cartoon. Yeah. Costs you half a leg and an arm. Yeah. No, not my scene. Uh, I like a nice cold lager. Yeah. Good little lager. Uh, down the pub. Yeah, down the pub. Out of the fridge in a bottle, glass bottle, can. No, not a can, man. What will you drink then in in Spain? I tell you what, I do like. I like a Voldam. Oh yeah, good call. It's strong. I, it's strong. You got to yeah. be in the mood for it. But when you get one at the right time, the right time of day. They're not. Yeah, they're just. They're, they're more. It's a malt beer, isn't it? I, I think it's about seven percent. Yeah. Seven or eight percent. It's pretty strong. Is it that much? It's pretty strong. Yeah. You have two, and you. You, you know, know about you've it. You've had two. Yeah. What do you think of the Alhambras? Alhambra. Yeah. It's just standard good good beer. I think the standard in Spain good good just good solid lager. Isn't it? Mm. Nothing fancy, nothing special. Estrella mm. Galicia, that's a good beer. I like Estrella Galicia. From a bottle though. From a bottle, yeah. The canned stuff, any canned beer, it doesn't really stack up. Um, what else? Moritz from Barcelona, mm. that's a good beer. Um, that Churia, is it Churia? Yep, Churia. Churia. From sort of is that that's Barcelona area as well, isn't it? Yeah, Catalonia. it's Catalonia, yeah. Catalonia. That's popping up a bit now. That's uh It's a bit darker too, it's a bit more like a Voldam. So yeah, it's sort of not as strong, it's got that kind of reddy colour, isn't it? It's a bit yeah. kind of yeah, know what you mean. That's a good little beer. Alright, we've got a few drinks there. Let's say beer. Coca Cola if it's sort of non alcoholic and uh, with mm. alcohol it's a, n- a nice beer. Just nice little beer. Alright, back to riding. What do you prefer, racing or training? Um, I do enjoy training, but I enjoy racing well after I've had a good block of racing. I think I'm one of those riders that responds well to to racing. a good block away from home racing. Yeah, but what do you personally prefer? It depends how the race is going. Isn't it? If you're going like a Baggage. like a spuds, you're, you'd rather be training, wouldn't you? But if you're going well, you think, yeah, this is great. All right, when you're out training, are you a coffee stop guy? Absolutely. Coffee, sandwich, cake, every day. Done. Perfect. Every day. What coffee? Uh, maybe not, not every day. In the summer, in the summer less so because it's hot, and sometimes you just think I can't be can't be asked with this. Just get home, <laughs> feet up, trying to cool off. But in the winter or any other time of the year, hundred percent, hundred percent. Always, always a, sandwich. Uh, no. If it's a long ride, I'll, I'll always have a sandwich. Usually ham, cheese, proper ham, not the processed hmm. rubbish um, real ham real cheese real bread bit of tomato real bread like baguette <laughs> alright um, then I'll have a coffee um, top it off with a cake no um, if it was a long if it was over five I'd maybe get a cake as well maybe stop twice stop after two or three hours and stop in the last hour but yeah always I believe I think I believe in it hmm. I think some some guys you see them train, you know, they don't stop, they don't like to stop, and then doing the last efforts in the last couple of hours, and you're thinking you're not looking so great. But I think you stop, you kind of not a long stop. I'm not, mm. I, I don't, I don't like stopping for half an hour, forty five minutes, an hour. No, no, no. But quick stop, quick sandwich, quick coffee, and you feel like ten men. You that last hour of the train, you fucking, you're punching, you, you really. I you're getting the quality yeah, in still. Yeah, 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 and and for me, I know you. I know you can't stop in a race. There's that argument. You know, you don't stop for a coffee in a race. But 
I think. And also for you, I don't know, it's nice to stop. Yeah. If you train, you just you grind it away a bit. It's nice to just relax for half an hour. It is mentally too. Tell me about your coffee then. What sort of coffee do you do? Like run me through your coffee throughout the day. Are you a cappuccino man in the morning? You black coffee, espressos? What's um, your coffee? I'm not really a coffee man. I drink. I do drink coffee. Mm. I, I'm not against coffee at all by any means. But at home, I, I'm I'm more I have a green tea in the morning. Mm. Or some mornings, sometimes I don't go without caffeine for a couple of weeks. Just try and just kind of break it. Herbal tea. Yeah, herbal tea or uh, loose leaf. Um, not normally no. But when I go back to England, my mum's a bit of a. She likes stocking me up on stuff. So when I go home, she'll buy me all this like local, not really local to Preston, but it's, the brand is local. The, from the shop it's from, she'll stock me up on loose leaf. So, and you think, oh, the bags aren't that big, you'll, I'll, be, I'll be through them in a couple of weeks, but the, they've been there for about three years now. <laughs> and I keep drinking them and drinking them, they're just not going. Still got four bags of these different ones. They're nice, they're nice. You, you taste the difference, but, um, but yeah, I like tea as well. I do like tea. Um, but coffee-wise, I think if I'm out of training, I usually have a just a cafe con leche, yeah, or just a, just an espresso sometimes. Nice. Sometimes a bit of sweetener. Oh, sweetener. Didn't expect that. Yeah, it's a bit controversial. It's oh yeah. It's a I guess I can understand it with the Spanish coffee. Sometimes they need a little something. Aspartame I mean, kills you, mm. um, but I don't know. Put a little bit of sweetener or sometimes sugar. If it's a long ride, just tip of sugar and forget about it. Do you like to train with a group or alone? Alone. Alone or with one other guy? Not uh, a big like, no, you know, 30 I, guys rolling out, going, big I've bungee. I've four hours on the cars. It's got to be four hours of wind in my face, you know what yeah. I mean? Not two hours of wind in my face, two hours yeah. out the wheel, no, in the wheel, no, no, no. What's your favourite training route? Um, in Andorra, I think it's probably the Three Nations. Oh, yeah? Explain so, that to everyone. So you leave Andorra, well, it depends on where you go, but the way I usually do it, uh, go up up through Andorra leave Andorra into France briefly for about half an hour then nip back into Spain and back along the don't know what the valley's called um, back along the valley towards the sail and back up to Andorra mm. it's about 130 140k how far how long does that take you uh, four and a half. Oh, mate, I did in four the other week I, I don't know I don't time myself I not, ripped around there in four I'm not like competitive and I don't I think you did it on the demon as well yeah yeah I don't I don't think I've ever done it on the demon <laughs> what's your best bike your favourite bike best bike um my favourite bike is um or it was the bike I used last year for the second half of the season we got a new Evo uh Evo Cannondale with rim brakes, it was a new one. And, oh yeah, and this it was it was never released to the public. The one that we use with the, yeah, the yeah. special high mod carbon, the ultra light one. It was only for us. Um, with rim brake. With rim brake, the 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 dual pivot hmm. or whatever you call them, the the direct mount dual whatever they're called, direct mount brakes, rim brakes, and that bike was fucking. That was a good bike. Yeah, right. Because most of the guys on this podcast from our team say the Evo the new Evo that we ride but yeah. I had completely forgotten about the rim brake so the new Evo that we have now with the disc brakes is great 
it's a it's a really good bike but the only issue is with the weight mm. you have to really you have to make a few sacrifices to bring the weight to the limit it's possible it's not that difficult but you have to maybe take some things off the bike and things um but with the rim brake it was at the limit with the rim brake you could have everything you all the tricks yeah. um all the commodities all the all the tricks on it and it'd be at 6.8 no problems yeah. um even your big machine even 56 ah, 56 isn't that big you don't need to no you don't need to bike shame me <laughs> You're a big unit. I I'm just assumed you had like a 60 or a 65 size frame. <laughs> no, 56. Always 56. Uh, but yeah, that was a... If I, had to, if I had to say one bike, that would be it. Yeah. Um, but that said, with the rim brake, with the disc brakes now, the the peloton's changed. Mm. The mentality's changed. Now everyone's had a good couple of seasons on the rim, on the disc brakes. Um, it's changing. Well, everyone you mean like everyone's accepting it everyone's accepted it yeah. and a lot of people have converted yeah. you speak to people now and you say oh yeah rim brakes disc brakes it's oh no I won't go back to rim brakes now Yeah. days like yesterday in the in the rain hard rain where it's a mm. little bit of rain rim brakes still work fine but in that hard cold rain with rain, the descents with the, with the long fast descents um, the disc brakes are a, are a godsend yeah. I, I really rate them I won't go mm. back to rim brakes now Unle- unless I got the bike that was on the end of last year Yeah, but yeah disc brakes all the way I think and the peloton I think what would you say 90% figure it 90% I was, yeah, I was, 95% of the peloton I was talking disc. to um, Gearsync yesterday or the day before I said mate you guys are the only guys with rim brakes now left and he said Ineos and UAE, a few UAE. Is it? I've only seen UAE. those two teams in UAE. That's it and then. And there's a couple of riders still on uh, Sunweb, I think. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a look. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's not many. No, no, no. I'd say 90% of the Peloton's yeah. on discs now. I'd say so too. And you see someone now, a few years ago, when everyone was still on rim and you'd have a few guy, one or two guys knocking on discs, you'd be staying away from them. Yeah. Because they, they were breaking powerfully and they were sort of out of sync with everyone but now on the descent you're looking out for the guys on rim brakes and getting their, around them they're getting around them yeah. they're the ones that are sort of the dangerous the ones the danger zone yeah. yeah danger boys tell me about this when you get home from a grand tour or when you get home from one of those big rides what's your favourite cheat meal what's your go to you know I'm going to treat myself today um nowadays I don't know I don't really I don't know I don't do too much but back, back when I lived in Pamplona, I used to enjoy doing the old, uh, after a race, I'd go out on a Monday, on a, or Tuesday, whatever, whenever the race had finished, midweek, and go and have like a real menu del dia. Mm. Just go, like it's fine. I, I used to have like a, a good few spots, some industrial estates. The best ones yeah. always in the industrial estates. I just pile in, just me. I just go on my own and enjoy it, just peaceful. Mm. All these, all these blokes around in boiler suits, like yeah. boil all over the faces and stuff, reading the paper, all just, all on the wine, at fucking two p.m. midday, still going back to work after that. And I just sit there calmly, just sort of my own little bubble, yeah, and just stuff my face. I pick the most unhealthy option. <laughs> so for starters, like they have like a salad or some, like some like a bean stew or like something fried out of the fr- out of yeah. the fried one. Oh, the, the the main course, every, whatever came with chips, whatever you call them, fries, yeah, chips. Yeah, yeah. I'd have that, and dessert. I'd have like the the <laughs> the, the, the fattiest cake or the, like the big tiramisu or something. Yeah, 
I, I love that idea because in Catalonia too, you're always trying to search out those little farmhouse places that do the best menu del dia. Oh, I'm talking about industrial estate, like mm. the dirtiest, grubbiest industrial, <laughs> like, like an asbestos factory next door. They'll, that'll be that'll be that'll be where I was at. So I, I used to have like a, about five or six of them where I'd uh, that I'd scoped out and they were I'd rotate every every couple of weeks after a race. I'd always uh, bomb down there as soon as I got back. It's like ten euros, eleven euros. You can get a full bottle of wine to yourself, water, <laughs> three meals, and a coffee. That for 11, is done. 12 euros. Yeah. You don't need to eat, do you? No. Skip breakfast. Skip dinner. Skip dinner. That's it. Yeah, and with all the wine inside, you, you're done, you're done <laughs> until the next morning. Aren't you? Uh, all right, I've got a couple of questions left for you now. Over this time, um, lockdown, quarantine, what is something that you've learned from being locked down in this last year? You know, what's something you've come out of it and gone, wow, you know what, I see this differently now? Um, I think, I don't know. I think now that to a degree with the return to normality, I think you, you quickly forget about what we all went through in the spring. Um, but, I don't know. I spent a lot of time on my own, and I spent a lot of time reading. I think, um, I don't know. I think I just learned to appreciate the smaller things, like the having good health, having good people around you, and um, I don't know. Mm. It's hard to put it into words. You know what I mean? It's hard to uh, hard to speak, hard to say it, but. Um, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know what. There is no exact answer. Just no, some, you know. I, I did. I took a lot of things away from it, but to put it into words, I, I don't know. Mm. If you ask me in five years, oh, what? but I think it's matured me a bit. Mm. Where you think, where you things were decisions were made for us, and you think, well, there's nothing I can do. Mm. Before you might be thinking, oh, what's this going on? What's he doing? What's this about? I can't take that. That's not fair. You think, well, we're still pretty lucky, mm. fortunate. Um, we had a lot going for us even through the, the worst of it compared to some people so that was the positive I took for it for me that was mm. what helped me sort of be positive and uh, sort of strong through it by thinking fuck there's people doing it worse really really struggling here I mean mm. the best thing I can do is do what I can do stay at home and and chill out um, some people are getting wound up by anything well you're not helping anyone you're jumping on Facebook or Twitter winding people up and complaining about this and that you just gotta let lay it go. low you know what I mean let it go do what you can do to help everyone uh, that's what I was doing and that was what was helping me get mm. through it just staying trying to stay positive reading a lot I read a lot of books um, nice yeah. alright the last question and this was yesterday. Could it could have been your story? This is a new question to the segment. It's called War Stories. We've all got war stories from out on the bike. What's one for you? One that comes in your memory, and we were discussing a few of these on the bus last night. What's one war story for you that sticks out? You know, it could be a good story, it could be a bad story, it could be just a rainy day. I don't know. What's what's one story that sticks out? Um, set it up. I don't think yesterday would count. I don't think it was that. It was cold, but it wasn't. It wasn't a war. Um, I don't know. I, it's a it's a hard one to answer. 
I think of the tour this year, the stage when I crashed, it was a, a stupid crash. I hurt my arm pretty, I wouldn't say badly, but it was, I think if it had been any worse, you'd have, I'd have had to abandon. It was at that sort of threshold where it was. Where? Tell us, what happened? Stay, I don't know what stage it was. It was the day after the first rest day, so stage 10, or let's think stage 10 it was. It was a stupid crash. I was stopping for a piss. Uh, I went off the road slightly to get out of the road because it was going quite quickly. And it looked like hard dirt on the ground and it was it was actually deep sand oh so i stuck my wheel in that and just went <laughs> arse over tits or whatever the phrase is um and landed on my arm and cracked the bone right underneath my elbow it wasn't a big crack but it was enough and yeah and i i hit i went into the road with my wrist first kind of fa uh, hand first so my wrist was just sort of there was no damage to my wrist per se no cracks or anything but my whole wrist and upper arm or elbow area were just at that stage it was just it was the worst possible stage to do on it was crosswinds it was small roads all day 200k of small roads um bumpy shit roads through villages speed bumps and i couldn't grip the bars in my left hand and every time i make it back to the bunch after i get every time we hit a crosswind or a small road i get dropped and every time it calmed down, I come back, then it split again, and I go back and it was yo yoing. And it got to about 40k to go, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I rode it on my own, just, <laughs> just TT'd. I used the cars for a bit, and then the, eventually the cars left me, and I was uh, I just rode in. But it wasn't too bad. It wasn't it wasn't uh, I would say a war story. I'm sure people have done a lot worse. But at that point, when I crashed it, I, I thought I broke my wrist or something. It felt horrific. And Charlie was like, No, the doctor checked me out the side of the road. He said, No, there's there's no serious damage, you'll be okay. It's gonna hurt, but you'll be okay. So then I was sort of like, oh. I gotta tough it out. This was in the first 10K of the stage. Yeah. It was literally as the flag had dropped, the brake went and just everyone calmed down a bit. But there's still didn't tension in the bunch, so everyone's going fast. Um, yeah. But it was, that was it, that was. Then after that, I thought, so I've, if it'd been stage three, maybe I'd have stopped. But I was at that point in the tour, I was past the halfway or more of the halfway mark. Like, I just got to make it. So you got to carry on then. And you're thinking, so I carried on and a couple of days later, it started to get better. Then, uh, then I managed to get into a couple of breaks and stuff and do a bit in the race. Then after that, it got, it got worse again. It got better for a few days and then it got worse. And I was thinking, oh, please, I just want to finish now. I got to so close and then I managed to after the start of the stage, it was always bad at the start of the stage. I'd just get through the first hour and then it would uh, then it would start to wear out the pain a bit. Tell me, because you told me this story last time, I thought maybe you were going to say this, but maybe you can just tell us a quick version of this story. The Dolphin A, the golf balls. Uh, yeah. Tell us about this quickly. So, I don't want to steal your segment, but this was such a brilliant story. And for me, this came to mind when, you, when I was singing War Stories. I thought you might have brought this up. Yeah, this was... Uh, so 2020 Dauphiné so this year ago. yeah this year uh, a few months ago it was stage I don't know what stage it was stage 2 I think it was the first hilltop finish to I think it finished on Calder Port for reference if anyone's interested I want to look it up um, I was hoping for a decent ride that day but we hit a climb two or three climbs to go and uh, the legs weren't there and the body wasn't quite there uh, out of the arse Big group of all the sprinters, 50, 60 guys. We're going up the final. There was rain, a bit of rain forecast, but it was sunny and warm at that point, pretty hot. 
So there wasn't even a thought of rain. Then we come onto the final climb in a different valley and the clouds come over. Uh, and then it starts raining, starts drizzling, starts raining. Half of the climb, near the top, turns the hailstone. About two or three k to go, turns the hailstone. Just normal hailstone. <laughs> so you're thinking, oh, this is pretty shit. And it was so close to the finish, we didn't have, no one was bothered to go and get a jacket or a, or anything. Uh, <laughs> so we thought, I'd just carry on. Then with the k to go, it absolutely opened up. It turned to, uh, you hear people say golf balls, but these were, oh, they weren't golf balls, but they were... Phew, how could I describe it? Like a marble, like yeah. a playing marble size. And they were coming down so hard. And the road was full, the road was filled with them. And the forest that we were in, it was in a forest, but there was, on the right-hand side of the road, there was a steep embankment up, and on the left-hand side of the road, there was a steep embankment down. So there was literally nowhere to hide. There was no, tr- there, was, there were trees, but the, they weren't trees where you could get, there was no real proper canopy to shelter under. Um, so we just had to continue, we were okay to go up this climb so I just went full gas and I was screaming it was everyone was screaming just, were they just ah, everyone was ah, ah, back. Fuck, fuck, ah. <laughs> these hailstones on my hands as well your hands are just getting pelted by him uh, neck and because it was hot at the bottom so you didn't even have undershirts no, or anything I, on undershirt. did you I had the skin dog as you call it yeah. and nothing else just a skin dog nothing underneath it a thin a micro piece of lycra protecting you yeah, that's the it thinnest lycra possible um, <laughs> so I was pretty much naked getting pelted by these mar- ice marbles this group and we're all screaming so anyway we get, we get inside to the finish and to the top of this climb it was more exposed and there was actually I don't know what it was like some kind of tornado there was a, one of the big barriers was being blown into the road it was just chaos the tents getting blown around so we always make a beeline we didn't know where the buses were the buses were for like a K down on this other side of the mountain we can't continue in this so we pulled into the VIP zone um, in this big VIP caravan thing where they can spectate and there's all these people in there like all suited and booted all dressed up sipping champagne and stuff and 50 cyclists just burst through like <laughs> bikes just getting tossed on the floor thrown out just running straight in COVID protocol out the window, no masks, just fucking flying in. And all these people in the suits, they have to get out. Yeah. The race saying, get out, you gotta get out, gotta get out. Um, so we're all flocking in there, all steaming up. Um, this hail's coming, still coming down, but just chaos. There's, there's a river in the road where a bike's getting dragged down the road in, the, oh, in this you're river. Kidding. I'm not even kidding. I didn't see this, but I've been told that people seeing, people will say the bike's getting washed down the road in this river. Um, and eventually it settles down 10 or 15 minutes in this caravan it settles down and we all go out but still it's about zero degrees now at this point we have to we're still dressed like in the skin dog just Mm. to ride down to the bus and I was I don't know half an hour 45 minutes after the race run at this point and being delayed and again everyone's looking at me first of all because I had a bit of a shocker on the bike that day and second I come in shivering and like kind of like in a panic state because of the hailstone. Everyone's just looking at me like, what's happened to you today? What the fuck? Mm. What's happened? What are you going on about? And everyone's giving me these looks. I'm like, oh, you wouldn't believe what I've just been through. And I was like, what are you on about? So I stopped taking, then, then I take I take my skin, skin suit off, my, my jersey off. And my back is just covered in these bruises, these, what do you call them? Welts. Welts. I don't know what I've never heard that word, but these like big boils, red boils and bruises all over my back and neck and arms and hands then everyone's like bloody hell you shit you weren't lying 
then all these photos started to appear online and other riders and stuff in the same group and the helmets were dented my helmet i had to change the helmet because it had all these dents golf ball dents in it yeah big, big dents from the from the hail uh yeah i won't i won't forget that one but the the pictures that came from that this this ride even like big tough guy like edvard bosenhag and greipel people like whoever some people like that those like tough boys they were like just wincing in the pain <laughs> and just, it was horrific it was at that, there was at that point that kilometer never ended it just went on and on and on and on and on uh, it was only probably three or four minutes we weren't i was going as quick as i could but it just never ended and at that point i was thinking i would much rather be sat at the side of the road with a broken bone than in, in the hot weather than be riding through this it sounds terrible to say but that's the truth i would rather have been sat in the warmth with a broken bone than that at that moment in time afterwards once i warmed up and calmed down then yeah no but it was terrible it was awful the pain it was awful beautiful mate well thanks for this morning we've got to go out and do our recovery ride so mate cheers no worries thank you well there we have it Hugh Carthy talking a bit of luft I did like some of his answers there he really went into depth there and he had a bit of sat on the fence there but we eventually got there He's a great guy. He's riding very well in this Vuelta Espana. Like I said, send your questions in and we'll try and have a go at answering them next week on the podcast. That will be over at the Cycling Podcast. So hang in for that. Send the questions in. And once again, guys, thanks for listening. Bye.